Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning, friends. Nice to see you all. Whether you're in the room or online, nice to see you. Just want to get something out of here. Sorry, rummaging around. It's a bit slow on my part. Um, Right. I would like us to um, stand to our feet while I read the words of Jesus. Just out of respect for Jesus' words, we're in a series called Jesus Said, If You're Able, Can We Stand? And I'm going to launch in at Luke chapter 12, because we're looking at what Jesus said. Let me just pray. Lord, would you speak to us as we pay attention to what you said? Amen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable... You are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And don't set your hearts on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about that. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Amen. Let's sit down, shall we? I want to do two things today as we look at this passage. I want to ask why and how does Jesus speak about money and possessions and wealth? And what does it mean for us as a community and as individuals to seek first the kingdom of God. So the first thing, why and how does Jesus speak about money and possessions? Our series is Jesus said. What has Jesus said? I think when you get an overview, what Jesus said comes into three domains, spiritual formation, stewardship, and generosity. This passage and the rest of Jesus' teaching focuses on that. Now we all accumulate beliefs and values about money from our upbringing from our life experiences, from our culture. And we all need money to live, so whether we like it or not, it forms a significant part of everyday life. But Jesus' words challenge us to examine our relationship with our money and our wallets and how we handle stuff like that. That's consistent with the whole Bible, with about 2,000 verses in the Scriptures that speak to money, possessions, and our attitude towards the stuff that we have. A right attitude towards money can lead us to true riches of a deeper relationship with Jesus. But if we pursue money for its own sake or look to it for status, security, it can easily become a counterfeit God. These three interlinked themes weave their way through the Bible as a whole and through Jesus' teaching specifically. And if we say we're interested in following Jesus, we have to listen to what he says and where he's leading us. Spiritual formation is what God wants for you. Stewardship is what God asks of you. And generosity is what God does 
through you. You can't separate the three things out. Often these themes feed into each other. Just the next slide. They, they, they're kind of interconnected. Because as God is doing something in the spiritual formation space, there may be something happening in the stewardship space. They're all connected conversations. We're going to take them one at a time because they're in this passage that Jesus is bringing to our attention. Spiritual formation. This is what God wants for you. It's a journey of discipleship that changes our heart attitude and our actions. Whether you've got a little or a lot, Jesus knows that the questions of money are heart issues. Now what God wants for us as his followers is a life lived from peace. Let that settle. Jesus doesn't want our lives consumed with anxiety. That's what he's saying in this passage. Four times in 12 verses, do not worry. That can only happen as we understand who our Father is in heaven and something shifts. So the anxiety levels change. That's the formation conversation that takes place when Jesus is talking about it. He wants the formation of our hearts. You could be winning financially but losing out spiritually. You could have a lot of resources but still be wracked with anxiety. You could be blessed but coveting what others have, not living in contentment. I think Jesus outlines these four transformations that he wants to take us on at the heart level as his disciples. And if you don't get this, the conversation about money and giving is just percentages and rules and it gets very legalistic. There's a journey of our hearts coming to know our Father in heaven that Jesus wants us to settle. Four things there. Our pride becomes gratitude when we acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from God. I'm going to break it to you, folks. You're not self-made people. <laughs> Every good gift, including your background, your education, your opportunities, your intellect and talent, has come as a gift from him. If you don't believe that, you'll just be proud. So never say to yourself, I've achieved all this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to be successful or the power to create wealth. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. So our coveting, becomes contentment when we practice thanksgiving and our spending takes on appropriate healthy boundaries what does jesus say in this passage don't set your heart on food or clothes or status or stuff don't let your heart get drawn to that because that is not how you're identified our coveting can become contentment coveting at its core is this belief that if i had more stuff i'd be more happy it's a form of idolatry that leads our hearts away from God. One biblical writer, Paul, puts it this way. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. It wasn't natural to him. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. And then this bit of the verse that we take out of context. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. That's where it comes from. Christ giving me strength helps me be content in every situation. Philippians 4. Fourth thing, though, so third thing, our anxiety becomes trust when we recognize that God's the source and ultimately He is our provider, even as we take responsibility to work, to save, to plan for our own future. That's important stuff to do. Look at what Jesus says Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap, they have no storeroom, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't do that little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus is saying you've got to settle something here. It's a relational question you've got to settle. Do you know your status as a loved son or daughter in God's family? Because if you don't know that, 
there's going to be a bunch of anxiety in your system. We have to settle how valuable we are to him. We had a little situation. You've probably got your own story of being stressed out about money, but there's been a few times in our life where we've had some pretty overwhelming things that have come our way. One particular time was a few years ago, Rosie was involved in a very slow-speed collision, five miles an hour. She knocked somebody over on a zebra crossing. And the person that she knocked over had a pre-existing health condition. And by, we don't, we're not in the habit of doing this, but we found out later that we weren't insured. It was an awkward moment. And the lady, rightly, because it's her right, decided to sue us. But it wasn't being sued through the insurance company. It was going to be a personal claim against us. And because of her previous history, we didn't know if it was going to be 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000. And that can mess with your head for a little while. <laughs> there was a lot of anxiety in our system. And we had to go, oh, okay, let's do the stuff that we can do. We'll try and save. We'll try and tighten our belt. But we prayed and we had to settle in our hearts not to live in a place of fear and anxiety. Is my security my bank account or my Father in heaven? Jesus wants that shift in our relationship with money. And he wants that journey of discipleship to impact our hearts. And finally, our indifference becomes love as we learn to give. Our hearts are transformed to become more like God, full of love for others. That's where the passage ends in verse 33, if you see it, with a challenge for us to sell what we have and give to those in need, as many of you have already done, just by opening up a generous moment with the weekend away. That's a way that we store up treasure in heaven. So the first thing, spiritual formation, that's what God wants for you. And then stewardship is what God asks of you. Now, this is not a phrase that we use very much, stewardship, but it's what we do with what we've got. It's as if you're manager, but God's owner of the business, and you're involved in running the family business. A steward manages the assets for the owner's benefit. It's his job to find out what the owner wants, done with his assets, then carry out that will. So to be a steward, which is part of Jesus' teaching, is that we're acknowledging that everything we have comes from God. We're trusted to manage God's resources well, because we're the ones that are going to give an account to him. Jesus says this, but seek his kingdom. Or in Matthew, it says, seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. First, seek first, God first. Discipleship, if we want to follow Jesus, is about learning to put God first in all of life, in our careers in our relationships, in our sex lives, in our time, in our whole financial life. Let's not kid ourselves that an occasional charitable gift is discipleship as Jesus describes it. It's more than that, friends. It's holistic. It's the big picture of all that we are. So we do the obvious stuff. We write a budget. We get a plan. We spend and invest wisely as good managers of God's resources. God first in everything. Now, you might be here today and you're thinking, actually, I'm in a bit of a pickle. I'm not very good at being a steward. I've not got lots of family of origin support with my skills around money. That's okay. We, we all have different starting points. There's always help if you want to be able to get this area in spotlight. Maybe you've got debt or other challenges. Chat to your small group leader. Chat to one of the site pastors. And we can pair you up with people that can practically support and help you. But the third thing we've got here is generosity. This is what God does through you. God doesn't need your money, but he does invite us to become more like him. Let me tell you what generosity is at its heart. It's, an, it's a journey to an adventure with God, where we get to discover more of God's character. It's our opportunity to step alongside God in the extension of his kingdom. It changes both us and the world around us at the same time. 
Jesus says, sell what you have, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Anybody had a break-in? You've had stuff stolen? It's not fun, is it? (laughs) Jesus is saying there's certain investments that you can make that will never happen, that will never happen to. But where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's what Jesus says. We tend to center our lives around what we value most. Treasure and heart are connected. If you've got your money invested in a particular company in the stock exchange, or if you've dabbled in cryptocurrency, you'll be glued to the financial news and kind of interested in where it's going. Because your heart is in that thing. But if we invest in doing good for others, in giving to others, our hearts will be inclined to compassion, to their story. Because where our treasure is, our heart is also. In his book, The Treasure Principle, a chap called Randy Alcorn says this. Five minutes after we die we'll know exactly how we should have lived. (laughs) Five minutes after we die, we'll know exactly how we should have lived. But God has given us his word so that we don't have to wait to die to find out. And he's given us his spirit to empower us to live that way now. Hey, think about that moment. You're in the presence of God. Life's over. If you knew now what you'll know then, you'd live differently. If you knew now what you knew then, then you'd live differently. That's what Jesus is saying. Here's what I think. God provides for us. It's like he's um, given us some chocolate money. Anybody like chocolate money? Yes. Yeah, anybody? Tell you, who, who does? A few people do. Okay, here we go then. It's pay time from God. <laughs> At the back. This might, I might do some damage here, but I'm just going to fling it out. Woo! Okay. <laughs> anybody over here? Well, there you go. <laughs> You've got to grab some. Well, you can, no, this, this block hasn't got it. They can, don't forget us, they're saying. Here we go. <laughs> so it's like this. So I, I think... <laughs> you missed out. Oh, you missed... Oh, sorry. There you go. Don't want to miss you there. Oh. <laughs> now, all the money that we have this side of heaven is like chocolate money. Now, we've got options, friends. We can consume it all. That's an option. Cap's consuming it. That's okay. We can consume. <laughs> no shame here, Cap. We can consume it all, or we can invest it in what God's doing locally and nationally and globally. And then this stuff becomes eternal treasure. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you want to just consume it all? I mean, you can. That's not been a good steward, though. A good steward says, thank you. This is all from you, not just a bit of it. This is all from you. Thank you. I'm going to prayerfully say, how do I use this wisely to bring glory to God? Not only the the money that you give me, my life, my time, my talents. I came to faith when I was a teenager. No surprise in that. Most people do. Two-thirds of people come to faith before the age of 18. Last last year, about 30 people in this church gave an additional £25,000 towards a youth ministry called Dreaming the Impossible. You might remember that. I was at that conference volunteering on a team. And over four days, I witnessed hundreds of young people say yes to Jesus. What fun. It was great fun. That's turning chocolate coins into treasure in heaven. That's what it's about. Just imagine you could wind the clock back to the late 1970s. You bump into a guy called Steve Jobs and his business partner. He's just getting started in the tech space with a company called Apple. Strange name for a company, you think. He says, the challenge is, friends, I need some cash. Anybody got any cash? Cash in your savings. And actually, if you do put some cash into the business, I'll give you shares. If you 
knew then what you know now, what would you do? <laughs> Honestly, be honest, friends. You'd sell everything you got. You'd walk around in your underpants. You'd just do what you can to just think, I'm going to free up all the money I can and invest in that thing because you knew where it was going. That's what Jesus is trying to do. Wake up, friends. Treasure in heaven. There's a chance to do that. So with investing in God's kingdom, it's not, oh, what's the minimum I can give to keep God happy? It's what's the most can I get for eternal treasure? That's the invitation. These three-dimensional approach, formation, stewardship, and generosity, I think it links together. But I want to think about our church and say, what does it mean for us to seek first the kingdom of God here as a family? I want to look back with thanks and look forward with faith. We think about this God-first life that we're called to live. I want to start this year by just being thankful to all that God is up to in our community. By God's grace, we are a large and growing multi-site church. We've grown since two years ago, January two years ago, we've grown by 30% across the whole church. On average, what you see is about 20% of the church because we're in four different locations on a Sunday. On November 22, we said we'd love to start a new group every month and a site a year. We did that because we want God's mission to be our mission. We're not here just for us. We want to reach those who are yet to come. That's of first importance to God. It's why he sent Jesus and why it's why Jesus sends us. We're called to represent him and seek first the kingdom. Since then, since November 22, we started a new small group every single month. From March last year, Eastside started weekly Sunday services and they're thriving, which is wonderful. We've seen growth in every space, Eastside, Southside, City Centre, morning and evening. People, maybe you're this person, people are finding a spiritual home and coming alive in faith. We get to represent, as we gather, a foretaste of heaven as people from many backgrounds gather in unity to worship Jesus. Kids and youth has grown. We've seen compassion ministry expand with Grow Baby in two locations and more presence in the community with things like Tuck In Tuesdays. Hundreds of people helped every week. We're learning what it is to show love in all of life to individuals going through a crisis. We're learning to cry together and to rejoice together. We do that mostly through our small groups. We've also given tens of thousands of pounds away to other charities and organizations that are advancing the kingdom and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. We've been seeking first the kingdom, and I think God's been moving and responding in so many ways. Now, rather than taking a long time, it would be a long time to tell you everything that's been going on, we're going to tell you something that's changing. We're going to be giving an impact report every month, starting in February. We want to increase the communication so that you know, if you're investing here, how's that money making a difference? We'll highlight an area of ministry every single month, and you can hear stories, and you'll see them on social media and on the website. So I want to say to everyone in this room who consistently gives to support the ministry of this church, Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We simply couldn't do what we're called to do without your partnership. So we look back with thanks and we look forward with faith and we seek first the kingdom of God together. What would that look like? We as a church want to do everything possible to help many more people follow Jesus and experience fullness of life. That can only happen through vibrant communities of people who are committed deeply to following Jesus. Every single Sunday, in every single space, we're privileged to host people who have little or no Christian faith, who are exploring faith. That's an absolute joy. As well as many of us who've had a faith for a long time, working out what it means to say yes to Jesus in everything. We want to continue to plant a new small group every single month. 
So some of you will be doing that in this year ahead. God will call you to lead and serve others, to make places where people can belong. Because small groups are where we make friends and we learn to follow Jesus. We journey together and we support each other through life's ups and life's downs. We need to plant new sites this year and in the next couple of years to reach more people in other communities in our city. For that, we need new site pastors. So we're making the training of teams, service leaders, preachers and pastors a top priority for us as a whole church this year. We've got people engaged actively in discerning where, when, what, how. We've got people engaged in the Vineyard Leadership College and we'd love that cohort to grow. We've got the Leaders Conference coming up in April. If you're feeling stirred about leadership, we'd love you to come. And this year we want to pray and discern where is God leading us to launch the next site. A site is just a place like this where people are gathering finding what it is to follow Jesus. Eastside has just started a few months ago and is growing. We need to plant more sites in the next couple of years. We've got a number of options as we discern and think about our city, but we're not making assumptions and we're not settled right now. We're confident that multiplication is God's idea and he will guide us as we seek him in the months ahead. So watch out for opportunities to pray and pray with us that we would hear and those that are feeling stirred would hear and settle What is it, Lord? Where is it, Lord? And when is it, Lord? In the midst of it all, God is present. God is working. Now, Cap and Joe have already mentioned it, but I want to restate an exciting thing for us in 24 is the big weekends. We want to come together as a church family. As we are seeking to advance as God's family and seek first the kingdom, times together are really important. Times together in the presence of God. We want to make a space where our unity can be lived out. We've got a shared story of God at work, not just here in the city centre, but in all of the sites that are part of our church. Birmingham Vineyard is much bigger than one site or one single person. It's the church that God's building. So I just would like to imagine you're driving back from Wales, you're on the coach and you're thinking, wasn't that great? What a fantastic time. I've made new friends. I've eaten new food. I've enjoyed the Welsh countryside. I've had lots of fun. I've met with God. I've heard some great teaching. We've had lots of great time together. You know, culture is shaped by these shared moments. If you've ever had a kind of a close kind of friendship with another family or some other a group of flatmates, it's probably because you've done some stuff together. You've gone for a weekend. You've had an adventure. This is an adventure for us together as a church family. I would love you to do everything possible to make it. And whatever your financial situation, we want you to be there. Whether you have a little or not much at all, this is a space for us to gather. I also want to finish just by saying a couple of things. Rosie and I are immensely privileged to lead such a wonderful team. Do you know, it's, it's just an absolute joy to lead a fantastic community of faith, but also to work with excellent colleagues. We're hugely blessed with capable, godly, visionary leaders in every single site. Cap and Joe and Pastor Poy here. Let's just thank God for them. But we're hugely, we're hugely blessed with capable, godly, visionary leaders in every single area of ministry, whether it's kids or youth or worship or Hong Kong ministry or students or small groups or young adults or Alpha or leaders training, administration, financial oversight. My goodness, so many godly, capable people. This year, we're also going to be appointing a compassion coordinator to expand what's going on in compassion, which we're so excited. Also, from um, next week, just as a little heads up for you, we're going to create a moment where we can actually come consciously into the presence of God and take an offering. 
We've not really done that for a while. We got out of the habit about doing offerings during COVID because of COVID risk, and it was all a bit strange. But it can send a signal that your giving doesn't make a difference or that how you handle money doesn't matter to God, and that's not the case. For the most, most people who give, you choose to give in a planned way, but there'll be this moment once a month just to thank God, to bring our own needs to God in prayer, to come with thanks and to also invest in God's kingdom and what he's doing. I want to just finish with a couple of questions. What is your next step in this journey of following Jesus? Is it something around spiritual formation? Is there a journey, a heart journey that God wants for you, that you actually live with a greater level of peace because you're more aware of your loving Father in heaven? Financial peace, a heart at peace expressed in gratitude, contentment, trust and love. Or is it the area of stewardship? I actually need to bring not just my money, but my gifts, my time. I need to bring that to God and say, I want you to be first. You have the first place in my heart, God. Or maybe it's generosity. There's a journey of becoming more generous. What would it look like to put God first? To seek first the kingdom, as Jesus said. We're going to finish with a video before we just have some time in the presence of God to be still. All of Jesus' words are in really sharp contrast with much of what our culture says. And I want to finish by playing a video that highlights just how great that contrast is. Let's watch the screens. Life. Life is the free and joyful pursuit of self-interest. The generous may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a dedication to serving others. A spirit of love in the heart of God, we've moved on to something better. Money is what really matters. We don't believe all the hype about transforming our world. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of convenience and luxury, the sense of status and wealth, the power of instant gratification. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to living with open hands, setting our eyes on the everlasting. The better way forward? To build a world around ourselves. This is the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to live the generous life. We don't believe it is worth our time. But when we encounter Jesus, he reorders the priorities of our heart. It is worth our time to live the generous life. We don't believe the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to build a world around ourselves. This is the better way forward. Setting our eyes on the everlasting, living with open hands. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to the power of instant gratification, the sense of status and wealth, convenience and luxury. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of transforming our world. We don't believe all the hype about money is what really matters. We've moved on to something better, the heart of God, a spirit of love and dedication to serving. Others may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a pursuit of self-interest. The generous life is the free, and joyful life.
We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.